is time to put away the bias, the lies, and deceit and bring forth real talk from real people about real news. Providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the weekend news magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. Uh, This is Malcolm Outloud here. Well, it was a decision that we knew was coming. I mean, clearly, this was not a a terrible surprise, but still, it was like, uh, how do you say, uh, suspended uh, animation. I think we were all suspended, both politically, the left and the right in our country, to see, could this really be happening? It's a day that many thought might never happen in our country, and that is the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Uh, and uh, the, But listen, the confusion around this is staggering. The information, the incorrect information being put out. So let's start off right there and welcome on here. Evangelist Alveda King joins me. Uh, she's the founder of Speak for Life, uh, fighting for the sanctity and dignity of all life from the womb to the tomb, as she says. She's the daughter, of course, of the late uh, slain civil rights activist, uh, Reverend A.D. King, and the niece of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Speakforlife.org, by the way, is that site. Okay. Uh, Well, it's a pleasure, first of all, to have you, my friend. Uh, Welcome to Viewpoint this Sunday. Good to join you, Malcolm. And we were holding bated breath almost and came. And that is the reversal of Supreme Court. It did not catch us unawares because we had really been praying. Mm-hmm. However, I didn't know whether I wanted to shout, jump, scream, pray, cry. So I did all of that, Malcolm. Everything. I did it all. Yeah. Did, did you ever really in your, I mean, your heart of hearts, did you think this day would come? My pastor, who is in heaven now, Alan McNair, was my mentor. He and his wife, Anna, at Believers Bible Christian Church for many, many years. And he passed away a few years ago, but right before he left, because he allowed me to do a pro-life club at our church. His wife allowed me to do pro-life talks to the women at all the women's meetings. And before he left, he said, abortion is over. It is over. He was referring to Roe v. Wade. So I believed him because he was a prophet. I didn't know when because the journey had been so long and we had been fighting so long. I didn't know when, but I believed that it would be over. And I'm really grateful to God. And if you'll let me say this, President 45, Donald Trump appointed three justices that helped to make it happen. I don't want to discredit the other justices who are already there, powerful people, Alito and Thomas, you know. So it's just such a blessing. So I really knew it would happen. And I tried to keep the faith. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, your point about the justices is the key, Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, and Amy Coney Barrett. That is the entire key to this, uh, this overturn here, uh, which is why there was a lot of talk over the past uh, couple of years, uh, Elvita, about uh, packing the court and that sort of thing, because the left knew that there was a risk here. It was in danger. Now, let's talk about that That risk, this Roe v. Wade here. One of the things, the, the, the pivotal issues of this whole uh, controversy, I think, is the misinformation that is inflamed by false media reports and pundits alike here. Now, let, let me read you this here. It's very interesting. Uh, the Amnesty International Youth Leader says abortion is a human right. 
Now, they, they say a ban on abortions is a ban on safe abortions, and this affects marginalized communities, the poor, people of color, the most, etc. First of all, this point that abortion is a human right, how is, you know, I always think about this being so uncivilized. How is it that killing another human being uh, in, in whatever capacity it is could possibly be a human right? Put that in context for us. Malcolm, remember when Hillary Clinton used to say abortion needs to be safe, legal, and rare? Yeah. It would never be safe. It would never be rare. It became legal. Abortion is the killing of an of innocent, vulnerable human being. That is exactly what abortion is. So they finally dropped safe and rare because they knew it was a lie. And then they found out that Margaret Sanger, the founder, was a racist. And so doing that to help people, of, you know, underserved people of color and, and everybody has color. We all one blood and one race. We all have skin color. But, you know, all of that was all propaganda by Planned Parenthood to keep that slick marketing program up. And so now, but what we have to really caution people, listeners on Malcolm out loud, listen, listen, and viewers, it's not over. And so we don't want, oh, we won, we won. We had, we had advanced. If you play chess, we made a great advance. Mm -hmm. The only thing that is finished is the shared blood of Jesus. And that is finished. And that's what we're going to have to depend on to keep going with what we're doing. Well, I'm not sure this narrative of we won, we won is going to be good for any side or anybody in the country, in fact, Elvita, because yeah. it's more than just we won, we won. Uh, and it, here's the point to this uh, comment I just um, said a moment ago. Let me read you this here uh, from Amnesty International Youth Leader there uh, told Common Dreams outside San Francisco City, uh, City Hall. It, it, listen to this. It, uh, and I quote. So it's important that we come out and make our voices heard. It's not okay to take away a constitutional right. Now, I want to stop right there a moment here. You see, here's part of this misinformation campaign. This was never a constitutional right. That and parcel, uh, parcel is the problem of this whole overturning. Speak about that. The killing of innocent people is not a constitutional right. Now, they played with it, and so they made it not murder. It is murder and it is the killing of innocent children, but they did a wordplay. And so that's how a woman can be pregnant. And if anybody else strikes her, hurts her, the father, the baby, anybody and hurts her and kills the baby, they go to jail. But if she decides she doesn't want to have that baby, she can do it legally. And that was just wordplay and evil manipulation of the law. And so that has been cleared up. It was a, never a constitutional right to murder innocent people at all. Right. OK. Now, the crux of this, let's get to this big point here, which uh, Alito, uh, Justice Samuel Alito, pointed clearly out in his writing uh, of it, as authoring of the opinion. He said the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. Yes. So oh, powerful. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's perfect. So tell tell me, this is a misconfusion here. There's this point here, this big statement here. A lot of people are going around today saying the Supreme Court overruled abortion like you can't have it in the country. They didn't do that, Albita. That did not happen. And with me, throughout all of these years, I became pro-life and a voice for life in 1983. So what we are saying is to make abortion unthinkable. And when we do that, we especially since now the issue has been sent back to the states, 
And then we can now elect people who fear God and who understand the Constitution. And we have to have other alternatives and other opportunities. We have, we have to get a better system of adoption, a fair system of uh, the, uh, the system of, oh, goodness, brain freeze. When you put your children in foster care, because the right. foster care system right. is very bad for children right now. All those things have to be fixed. The pregnancy care centers have to be, have to be uplifted. So as we do all of that, mm -hmm. then we're going to see abortion become unthinkable. Mm -hmm. So some states will say we're not going to abort babies from conception. Some states will say we won't do it after so many weeks. Some will still say we're going to abort babies nine months. And if they come out and you mental abort them, they're still going to die. All of those things will be talked about, but the questions have been sent back to us. We, the people, state by state. That's it. Now, that's, that's what people need to understand. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it should be. That's the Tenth Amendment in our country, so we don't yes. have the sort of federal government we have that is so mm. totally out of control. Overreach. Gov overreach. That was really overreach to start murdering babies in the womb. That was overreach. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. This is a point of context now uh, to talk about here. Now, um, former President Trump came out. Uh, he's, he said uh, today's decision, which is the biggest win for life in a generation, along with other decisions that have been announced recently, were only made possible because I delivered everything as promised, including nominating and getting three highly respected and strong constitutionalists confirmed to the United States Supreme Court. Now, this was said in a statement. And of course, Thank you God. can't. You, you can't deny any of what I just said, but, he, but here's what I want you to talk about here. <clears throat> he said right after that, Delvita, asked whether he helped bring about the decision. Now, now brace yourself for this statement. It's very, very interesting. Trump said, God made the decision. <laughs> he really, God really did. Took yeah. the most unusual person to, and allowed him to be 45th president of the United States had him to appoint those justices, a man who used to be pro-choice, and I was too. I had abortions and all of that before I was a born-again Christian and repented. So God really did this. This is the Lord's doing, Malcolm, and it's marvelous in our eyes. And the president says that. And he says, we don't worship government. We worship God. He means that. So, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah, well, that's it's profound, that statement, which is why I read it to you right there. Now, um, President Joe Biden, uh, he he came out and said, um, and I quote, it was three justices named by one president, Donald Trump, who are the core of today's decision to uh, upend the scales of justice and eliminate a fundamental right for women in the country. Uh, he said it's a sad day for courts in the country. Uh, these are the remarks he delivered in the hall there at the White House. Today, the Supreme Court of the United States expressly took away a constitutional right. But see, here's the problem. Here's understand. Even the president of the United States, I mean, he's either outright lying about it or he's misinformed. Yeah. Well, hold on. This is not a constitutional right. It was never a constitutional right. Alvita, abortion is never mentioned in the Constitution. Now, let me say this. I'm breaking away from your question and I'm coming right back. President of the United States right now, he might be uninformed and he might actually be unaware and some of it might be intentional. I want people to know I do not hate the president. I pray for those who are in authority that we can have peaceful lives. But there's a lot of problems with what's happening right now with this president. Many, many problems. I want us to be aware of that. Now, the constitutionality of it, as you say, that is what has been in question and that has, is what has been ruled upon, Malcolm. That's right. exactly what has been ruled upon. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, this other big point here about uh, back to states' rights, but more than that, uh, uh, banning abortions being dangerous. Uh, let me read you this tweet here quickly from AOC. You can just imagine. And mm. she says this overturning Roe and outlawing abortions will never make them go away. It only makes them more dangerous, especially for the poor and marginalized. People will die because of this decision. And we will never stop until abortion rights are restored in the United States of America. So on that point, Elvita, is this just another confrontation? You know, we are, I, I mean, I think we've surely become the divided states of America. Is this again, one of those core issues that will always separate the people, uh, in your opinion? People, please hear me. Abortion has always been dangerous, not only for the baby, but for the mother's body, her spirit, soul, and body, and her health, whether abortion is legal or not. Women die from abortions. Women have, many women have died from legal abortions and had health problems, breast cancer, cervical cancer, and all of that related. The father suffers. Men regret abortions and their consciences become so twisted that they start doing other things out of rage and guilt. So abortion has never been safe. Abortion has really never been rare. It has been legal because of Roe v. Wade. Now, the legality is at question right now. And this is the time for the church to rise up. Sunday's a good time to say this. People of faith and say, Lord, we've sinned. There's an egregious wrong and a lot of blood that has been spilled from the innocent babies. And we are sorry. So this is the time to do that while we've got this opportunity for we, the people, to reexamine this issue of abortion, Malcolm. Yeah. Well, as you say just a moment ago, the rear part, that's correct. There have been 63 million abortions since Roe v. Wade took effect. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, if it was classified as a cause of death, Alveda, it would outrank heart disease and be the number one leading cause of death in the country. So we have killed future generations uh, by the boatload here. That's it. And we wonder what happened to Social Security. You killed too many people. They weren't born and never grew up to go to work. Just think about that. That's just one one point. There are many others that I could give you. And this people of color, we are one blood, one human race. Right. The impact on the midterms. What do you think? I believe that if we do our homework, no matter what efforts are done to steal it or whatever, I'm not going into that argument. We need to come out overwhelmingly and repent as voters and, and, and Christians, please, or any people of faith, whatever your faith is. It is not against the will of God. He had governing people in his administrations throughout the Bible. Paul in front of appealing to King Agrippa is a good example. Queen Esther before her husband, Daniel, Jake, Joseph, all of them governing administrators with the hand of God guiding them. Kings and rulers. And we have to pray for people who are in authority. The prophets standing before these rulers as advisors. So voting is our responsibility, our obligation, and our privilege. And be on guard for corruption, because America's uh, election system has been corrupted somewhat on both sides. So let's pray to God and just do what's right. Evangelist Elvita King. Uh, Elvita, thank you for joining us on Viewpoint this Sunday. God bless you. Happy Sunday. Well, let's welcome onto the program another great voice, excited to have on here, Danielle D'Souza Gill. Uh, she's an author, a commentator, and the host of the show Counter Culture with Danielle D'Souza Gill on the Epoch Times 
Uh, she's the author of a couple of books, so one we'll surely talk about today, The Choice, The Abortion Divide in America, and another one, Why God? An Intelligent Discussion on the Relevance of Faith Here. Uh, she has spoken at the March for Life, uh, at the marches in front of the Supreme Court to con when Amy Coney Barrett was being confirmed. Uh, she was also the youngest advisory board member uh, of Women for Truth, a coalition of uh, Donald Trump's 2020 campaign. Uh, Danielle, welcome to Viewpoint this Sunday. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So we're seeing large crowds already start to form in our streets and our cities and towns. And this, of course, started uh, Friday night. We'll see it now begin to build over the weekend. They're suggesting we're seeing a lot of uh, interesting headlines. So people in media uh, are inflaming this. What do you expect to happen with this divide uh, here in the next uh, couple of weeks? Well, to be honest, I think the left really acts like there's a much bigger divide than there actually is. They act like, oh, you know, Roe v. Wade was popular. Everybody supported it. The reality is a lot of people didn't actually know what it meant. And the fact that it um, was overturned, a lot of people didn't know what that meant either. As far as whether that goes back to the states, they some people thought that would mean abortion is just illegal. But of course, it's not what it means. Um, and I think the reason we know that abortion is not popular is because if it was popular, Popular, then the left would want abortion to go back to the states because that way people would vote for it. But the reality is most states want abortion restrictions. A lot of states want, um, you know, a heartbeat bill, things like that. And so only these very radical states like New York and California want to have nine month abortions. So most people don't support what the left is pushing. And these activists, these people that are gathering, that AOC is encouraging to start rioting. They don't represent most of the people in the country. Yeah, that's a great point. I love what you said. I, I never hear it put that way. Like if they really supported and thought the, um, the the majority wanted this, that they would clearly want to go back to the states. But, you know, it's really a, an interesting point of um, right now where we're talking about the 10th Amendment and federal overreach. And we've been talking about that a lot on America Out Loud. And here we are now with this big uh, divide with abortion. But you're uh, like what you say there kind of gives me pause for thought that uh, maybe it's not as popular as they think it is, Danielle. You and know? what's happening, too, why I think so many states are passing these restrictions is because they're popular. That's why a lot of those states are doing this. So I think when leftists look at it and say, oh my goodness, you know, Oklahoma passed this, you know, this other state passed this. Well, that reflects the views of that state. And I'm sure that actually those people who pass those things will probably get reelected because people are so excited about this. And mm -hmm. so many people know that Roe v. Wade was so extreme and so radical. So um, I think that this kind of idea that, oh, you know, so many people just love abortion and celebrate abortion and want nine month abortions, which is what the left is really saying is really not popular with anyone other than really the far, far left extreme. Well, it makes me think now it's, it, you know, one of the things that's not lost on me is it's always that small minority that seem to have Danielle, the loudest voices, or they get nasty, or they create uprisings and riots, and they create this sort of a problem. And you're right, it's it's not the majority, it's a very small, but these people seem to get the attention. But here's the real problem, I think, and I think you might agree with this, is to me, where the rubber meets the road in conversations like this is our media. Uh, to me, they inflame all of these kinds of activities. And 
this is might be the biggest problem we have is getting any truth out there across our great nation. But in a story like this, there, there's so much misinformation. People are so they're not aligned with the truth. Uh, isn't that the problem is the media and getting the information out properly? Absolutely. And, you know, it's so ironic to see, I think, all of these leftists basically saying the Supreme Court no longer is is worthy of respect, you know, saying let's riot, let's make sure that we make our voices heard. That's why so many of those justices have been threatened and things like that. But yet on our side, we never do that. No pro-lifers would ever start threatening uh, pro-choice people or, or do things like that. And we, that's why we see the March for Life every year is so peaceful. And it's just so ironic because we've seen these January 6th hearings going on basically for a few years now. They've been, you know, beating the same drum. And honestly, the recordings we've seen of the left, their calls to action for violence are so much more explicit, so much more clear. And they're trying to um, clearly intimidate the justices. And I think that's why um, the leaker, um, you know, released the decision early because they were hoping that those justices would be intimidating and intimidated and change their mind. Um, so that's never our goal. We never want to intimidate people. But unfortunately, the media is kind of hand in hand with these activists. A lot of these activists work in the media, they're producers, they're bookers there. And so the media acts like this is completely normal. And if you are resisting, if you're standing up as a left wing social justice warrior, then that gives you a free pass. Yeah. Why do you think we've lost the media in this country? I mean, it's 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 so unsettling. Why 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 is there such a disconnect, you think? Well, I mean, I think the media really represents only a small, tiny portion of the country. I think it goes back to, honestly, the kind of people who start working in media. A lot of people who go into media after college are very left wing because they were indoctrinated in school and they want to change people's minds. I kind of sometimes think that people who are leftist, um, their goal is power. And for a lot of conservatives, their goal is money. Um, not that that's in general true, but it can be because I think a lot of conservative people we meet around the country, they're small business owners, they're engineers, they're great, smart people. They're very hardworking, but their goal isn't to just indoctrinate people and make their life purpose, um, kind of these messages. Now, you know, you and I do media stuff, but a lot of people, they just live their lives and tune into politics and elections and a lot of left-wing people don't think that way. They think my life goal is kind of overturning society, making it a socialist country, you know, kind of focusing on these things all the time. And that's why we have to sometimes focus on these things all the time, because if we don't, the country basically just continues to go left. And I think that's what's happened with the media. Well, now you see also Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Um, boy, I'll tell you, I was uh, surprised. <laughs> and uh, boy, he doesn't, he, he's quite an icon. He's become more and more. So he came out, I think it was Friday or so, said uh, uh, he talked about other rights. And, and so listen to this. He says uh, specifically, he, he called for the reconsideration of Griswold uh, uh, versus Connecticut which established the right of married couples to use contraception, Lawrence versus Texas, which protects the rights to same-sex romantic relationships. And he talked about the right to same-sex marriage. Uh, he's talking about, I mean, you know, wow. He, he brought all these other points of interest up and talked about we need to be voting on these and bring these to a head. It's kind of a tipping point for our country, though. How do you think that would go over? You know, honestly, I think that when we look back to, let's say, the gay marriage debate, the big thing that they said at the time, the leftists said, 
was, oh no, this isn't the privacy of our own home. This is just a, a personal thing. Um, we're not going to go after, you know, kids. We're not going to make this about all this <laughs> other stuff. And then the right basically said, oh, but this is a slippery slope. All these other things could happen. And they said, no, 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 that would never happen. Well, that's what's happened. I mean, even if you look back to video of Biden debating Sarah Palin and the vice presidential debates not that long ago, he was against same-sex marriage. So same-sex marriage wasn't even uh, really accepted yet. And so look at how quickly we've moved to now the trans issue. Now people are basically on the left defending you know, drag shows for kids. Now we are teaching kids about sexual things when they're, you know, tiny children. So no, I think that that has to stop, of course. And unfortunately, we've seen this avalanche take place that most Americans say this has to stop. But doesn't the right often acquiesce to the left and give them their way with all these points we talk about right now? I don't think they push back enough. They they tend to give in, or, or at least that's the sense many of us have. Do you do you have a different sense, or do you do you see that? Oh yeah, that's totally what happened. We were giving in, we were being spineless, and mm-hmm. letting them turn our country into total destruction. And that's why I think people see, wow, this is what happens when we give in to the left. This is what we get. We always think, oh, we're just giving a little bit, and then they take a lot, and it keeps on moving the pendulum to the left, 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 and eventually. You know, our side says we can't really negotiate anymore. We can't really come up with compromises anymore because your idea of a compromise is so off the base of what we're even considering. So, no, I think our goal is really to have Republicans who are strong and actually have a backbone and say that we are not going to give in to this. And I think that the Republicans who do that are honestly the most popular. They're the ones that get the loudest cheers at CPAC. They're the ones that Republicans love all over the country. Um, people are fans of, of those people who really stand up for what's right. The pendulum you're speaking about right there, I do see that as what I reference as the tipping point. In other words, how much is too much? We see it continually build, 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 build. And, you know, I started to think about that, Danielle, in recent um, well, weeks and months here, as a lot of people are scratching their head and they see what they would suggest is the unraveling of our nation. I mean, well, let me ask you this. In, in your lifetime, have you ever seen a more uh, edgy, confrontational, a more um, concerning moment for our country? I mean, we're really seeing things we've never seen before. Yeah, you know, and I think it's sad that in a way our side as the conservatives were like, oh my gosh, we're afraid, you know, this is a a crazy time and such. And of course it is a crazy time because unfortunately the left has started threatening us and they've decided to make this kind of a dark time, but this is actually a great time. This is a wonderful time we should be celebrating. And I think a lot of our side sometimes thinks, you know, things are doom and gloom and it's like, they're not, this was our goal. This was partly why... Trump was such an amazing president because we got justices that are actually going to do things that are constitutional. So I think for protecting the Second Amendment, protecting life, these are huge victories. And I think what's sad is that um, the left is so focused on intimidation tactics that then people on our side are already worrying about kind of like how to defend it and things like that. But we know if this was the left, if they got a big win of whatever sort, they would be celebrating in the streets. They would be excited. They wouldn't care at all about how we feel about things. But I think our side is the winning side because we're always thinking about the independents. We're always thinking about the people in the center. And um, kind of like I said, I do think the people who are independents and in the center see this going on and they see that their values don't align with the left. 
a lot of pro-life people say our goal is to not really have there be abortion anymore. Our goal isn't even necessarily for this to only be in the States where, but then New York is getting these, you know, nine month abortion laws. That's not our goal. But we also realize, look, this is incremental progress. We realize that this is a huge step. And also before people kind of change their minds, they change their hearts on this. We don't want even people to want an abortion. So um, I think that we have a more genuine long-term loving goal. Whereas for them, they're all about brute force. They're all about just Mm -hmm. shoving it down your throat and making you do something. And that's not our goal. God, I love what you say there. And you know, the word that, uh, uh, that the Elvita King used up front and uh, that I think you might agree with is uh, let's try to make abortion unthinkable unthinkable uh, and that's probably a better path than uh, throwing it in people's faces uh, and again parading around some of these issues uh, because that divide back to that you talk about in your book is is serious in our na- in our nation and but this is a moment you're you're right in many ways it is a moment to sort of um uh, look, look at this as a real opportunity to, well, transform the nation back to our roots, back to who we are as a people, uh, Danielle. And it's a real pivotal point for our country. Final thought here. What do you think the impact of this now? I see a lot of um, voices on the left are now pushing, uh, talking about, well, it's on the ballot, it's on the ballot. They have nothing really to rally around on the midterm elections because they've destroyed the economy and the country as a whole. So uh, they're thinking this abortion might be something to rally about. How do you think this pans out in the midterms? I think they're still going to get completely crushed because um, <laughs> these kind of economic issues, inflation, what's happening at the gas pump, all of that, that's what affects most Americans. That's what also affects the center. Now, if they want to run kind of only on these social issues saying, hey, you know, if you're trans, come out and vote. Hey, you want to make sure you're you're getting abortions in uh, states that have restricted it, then what kind of turnout are they going to get from that? I don't think a lot of people are honestly going to see that as enough of a call to action. I mean, Biden's um, approval rating is in, I think, the 30s. I don't even know who those 30 percent of people are, though. So I don't think that they're going to do well at all. I think this really is desperate of them to say, hey, you know, just because you're so excited to take a life, come vote. I mean, again, those people live in New York and California where they can already do that. So you're basically saying this is your call to action to women in, in Kansas. I mean, that that just doesn't make sense. So, um, no, I think that they're definitely suffering. And even if they did say this is your thing that you have to do as a call to action, nothing can change because this is a Supreme Court decision that has gone back to the states. So them voting for Biden isn't going to solve anything. Danielle, thank you for joining us here on Viewpoint this Sunday. Thank you. Um, the other thing here, listen, COVID, it's changed the world we live in forever. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We, you know, think about over the last couple of years, how much the world has changed and where we are today. But listen, we're more informed than ever before. We're more informed about these pathogens and these viruses and diseases, and we know how to handle them better. And one of the ways to do that, friends, is an amazing product I want to bring to your attention, the Genesis Fogger. What a product this is. So it uses HOCL, goes into the fogger, if you will. And HOCL is an amazing product that will kill superbugs, viruses, pathogens, it helps out with all of these areas that is SARS-CoV-2, exactly the uh, the origins of uh, of COVID. 
Um, so what happens, you put the HOCL in the fogger and it disperses a dry mist in the room and it kills those pathogens and those viruses and diseases. Every home needs to have this product. Every small business needs to have this product. It is the best way to clean the whole air rather than run around with a towel and rag, which will never get all of the surfaces. Enter in the Genesis Fogger. Now, there's a, there's an ebook on this, which you must, must get. The ebook is absolutely free. If you just go to americaoutloud.com, you'll see some uh, banner ads there, if you will, for the free ebook. Just click that and get the ebook for yourself and read through that. It's well, well done. It's got a lot of information in it. And get a sense yourself of what's going on. If you like what you see, you want to try the Fogger, take a look further and see. But our listeners get 15% off that Fogger. Just use the code out loud is the key to this thing. Or you can go to genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud. And again, ebook is there and all kinds of information on that. Check it out yourself. This is great to protect your family and your loved ones. I I think you're going to hear more and more about this product moving forward. Let me also mention real quickly to you, healthycell.com. There is nothing like it, my friends. Immune Super Boost. Let's get a plug in quickly for that. Vitamin C, vitamin D3, zinc, echinacea extract, elderberry extract. This thing is powerful, powerful in one word. It's a micro gel. So it comes in a little package. A lot of people take it right out of the package and it tastes good. It tastes a berry taste. And you do, do it that way every day and that'll help your immune system. It's all about our immune system, really. I put mine in a little bit of water because I take other things with it. You put it in a few ounces of water as well, or you can put it on anything. You can put it on your favorite ice cream if you want, a yogurt. <laughs> but it, the microgel is powerful, healthy cell. There's a whole host of products there. 20% off all the products with healthy cell for that first order. Just use the code out loud again, healthycell.com forward slash out loud, and you'll be entitled to that as well. Well, listen, we're going to take a pause here just a moment, and we've got a powerful panel discussion coming up next on not only the Supreme Court ruling on right to carry, but the gun legislation just being signed into law. Uh, Stay right there, friends. More Viewpoint in just a moment. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Let the silent voices be heard. It was the rallying call that started it all. It's a wide spectrum of programming, 
From world and political news to societal and cultural stories, six amazing years of news blogs, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Aloud here, yours truly, and always a privilege to be with you, my fellow Americans. Thank you for being on the mission here. What a powerful program today. I mean, we knew there were going to be two big hot topics in the country, right? One was the abortion ruling, and the other is the gun ruling uh, and the legislation as well that has taken forth. Now, these are two of the biggest issues, uh, to be sure. And they sort of spotlight the divide in our country in many, many ways. Now, you heard up front in the program from Elvita King and Danielle D'Souza in regards to the abortion ruling. That was a powerful part of the program here. Let's jump right in right now, feet first, if you will, to the gun part of this uh, program. And with a, a terrific, terrific panel discussion, which I'm so privileged to have on the program here. Uh, joining us up front here will be Sergeant Betsy Smith is here. Always a delight to have her. She is the spokesman for the National Police Association, a career in law enforcement with her husband, Dave. They are an amazing duo, no doubt about it. Join us for the first time on the program. Dr. Mark Sherwood is here. He's a Christian conservative running for governor in the great state of Oklahoma. He's a staunch defender of the Second Amendment rights and had a career 24 years in law enforcement. Uh, as well. And also author, speaker, and constitutional expert, Paul Engel is here. He spent more than 20 years studying and teaching, well, both the Bible and the U.S. Constitution, two of the most important documents in our nation, to be sure here. His show, The Constitution Study, is heard on the America Out Loud Talk radio weekdays, Monday through Friday, 4 p.m., Eastern time, you will hear Paul, and there is nothing like that program out there and nothing like Paul Engel. So you definitely want to catch that on the network here, my friends. Let's start first with this legislation because this is hot. Just yesterday, uh, on uh, Saturday, uh, the president signed uh, the uh, bipartisan gun safety bill, they call it. Uh, well, actually, it's it's got a name on it. it. Here it is. The Bipartisan Safer Communities Act is the official name, if you will. And it's got all kinds of things in there, which we surely will talk about here. Let me go right first here to Sergeant Betsy Smith here, uh, joins us here now. Um, so take us from the top. What should Americans know about this? And what will it what will it do? What's the outcome of this? Well, Malcolm, unfortunately, what this act, this bizarrely named uh, act is going to do is nothing to keep our communities safer. Um, what it's going to do, I think the most concerning part of this really emotionally perceived bill is it's going to give government the opportunity to determine that, oh, this person or that person or these group of people should not possess or carry firearms. Of course, I'm talking about red flag laws. And I, I really believe that that's the most concerning part of this bill. There's going to be money to help local and state governments um, enhance their red flag law 
um, you know, procedures and enforcement and things like that. And for people who don't understand what a red flag law is, it's basically I can call up the my local police department or I can call the state police and I can say, you know, my next door neighbor is they're crazy and I don't think they should have a gun. And law enforcement has to get involved. And that, of course, is extremely dangerous in especially in today's political times there. You know, there's also a nod to mental health, which is good. Um, there is a background check enhancement Mm -hmm. for people 18 to 21, but if you read it, it's pretty weak. So basically what this is, Malcolm, is this is an emotional response Mm -hmm. to the emotions of Buffalo, New York and Uvalde, Texas, which of course, two horrific mass shootings, Mm -hmm. um, that touched the the hearts of everyone. And, uh, but we've got to we we need to govern uh, not by emotion. We need to govern by the Constitution. This act fails to do that. I've always been one, and I may differ from all of you on the panel, or maybe you agree with me. I don't really know. But I've always been one that have felt as a conservative, as a Christian conservative, I feel solid background checks are imperative. And I, and I believe there are a lot of Republicans who are weak on this issue. They don't believe that's the case. Can you clear up anything for me on that, Sergeant Benson? Because I think back, I think solid back, I think everybody should be have a background check if you're going to possess a gun. Talk to me on that point, please. Well, uh, part of that, Malcolm, is who's conducting the background check and what are they looking for? And that has really been the failure of uh, the background checks in some of these notable uh, mass shootings in the last, really in the last 10 years. You know, it's it's supposed to be the federal government that is supposed to be doing this. And, and yet, if everybody remembers during the Obama administration, you know, we had people who were uh, devout um, Islamist terrorists, quite frankly, who were able to pass background checks. Now we've got in these, again, last two notable mass shootings, Buffalo and Ubaldi, um, these two young men uh, passed background checks, and yet they had so much on their social media. Things had happened in their lives that really should have been part of this background check. So we don't need um, more background checks. What we need is to take a look at what kind of background checks we're doing. What are we looking for? Some of the technology with our background checks, you know, spearheaded by the FBI, it's old technology. And so we're not looking at some of the things. So yeah, I don't think any law-abiding gun owner Mm -hmm. has a problem with background checks, but they have got to be modern technology. They've got to be consistent. And Mm -hmm. here's the most important thing. They've got to be constitutional and they cannot be swayed by politics. Hmm. And that's one of the big problems we've had in the last decade or so. Well, I love what you say there. I think you hit it head on, uh, Betsy, I do believe. uh, And I would agree and endorse everything you just said, uh, because it's a slippery slope. You're exactly right. You give them a little bit of power and then, uh, you know, know, anything's out of context and it becomes a a problem. Uh, Dr. Mark Sherwood, let's get over to you and talk about... Listen, one of the things that really worry me about this legislation, to be sure, is going to be the red flag laws. I think this is a I think this is a real problem. The red flag laws probably have the appropriate name. It's a big red flag to everybody. But the idea behind it is really 
as we know, someone could use this as a weapon against somebody else just because they're mad. And in my career, going back, you know, 30 some odd years ago, in my department, there were red flags that were around briefly. And I saw it. And you show up at a scene and you're like, okay, who's telling the truth? And it puts the law enforcement officers in literally an impossible situation, as well as it puts the gun owner who may be falsely accused in an impossible situation, as well as violating due process. So again, who determines the veracity of who's making the accusation? This is probably the most slippery slope we could get on. Mm-hmm. And so red flag laws do not solve the problem. Let us understand that it's not guns per se that kill people. It's people that kill people. And criminals don't follow the law anyway. So good, hardworking gun owners, etc. Tagging on to what Betsy said with the good background checks that actually mm-hmm. are viable. Mm-hmm. No problem. But when you talk about the red flag laws, I have a huge issue with that. I don't think as evidenced by the 19 states that have red flag laws now and 31 that don't, all of this gun legislation that the federal government just passed is going to do flat out zero because it's going to go back to the states the states are going to do what they do as per the 10th Amendment, which I'm sure Paul will touch on. And we're back in this confusing area. So on the red flag laws, I do a hard pass. Is any of this unconstitutional at this point or is all is it all within the reins of uh, being constitutional, Paul? I think it'd be easier to list what is constitutional and all of this stuff. Uh, let's start with something very important that uh, hasn't been touched yet. This involves the federal government bribing the states to do what they want. The Constitution does not authorize Congress to collect taxes to keep you safe. Well, I mean, there's a common defense clause, but it doesn't say, oh, we're going to protect you from the criminal next door. We're going to implement mental health. We're going to do school safety. None of that is authorized by the Constitution. So none of this is constitutional. But I've yet to see even a draft of a red flag law that wasn't inherently uh, destructive of due process. Due process is defined as a governmental or judicial process designed to protect the rights of the individual. And every red flag law, you are assumed guilty until proven innocent, a direct violation of due process. But then the question is, would that even be effective? Because the one thing I've never seen anybody study we always look at red flags in hindsight. You know, we look back at what the Uvalde shooter did and say, oh, see all of these red flags. We, we looked back at what the 9-11 terrorists did and say, see all these red flags. No one ever looked and said, well, how many people did exactly the same thing, but never committed a crime? Red flag laws, they're pre-crime. They're a violation of due process. I use the example from the days when I was in church. You know, if someone were to come downstairs, hear me talking to a friend of mine about how I beat my wife every night, and she went running in and said, oh, my God, Paul beats his wife. No, we were talking about playing Yahtzee. (laughs) We don't, without that context, the assumption of guilt until proven innocent destroys any concept of not only due process, but of a stable society. Because you cannot trust that your neighbors won't take something out of context. And um, you're assuming that every time somebody does something that we now call a red flag, they were going to commit a crime. And there's no evidence that that is true. 
Okay. So we now know also that you beat your wife in Yahtzee regularly, but we don't, <laughs> we don't want to take that out of context very clearly. I, I, I could see how that would happen. Um, all right. How do we turn this back, the tide on this thing? Or is this now going to become cemented in our thinking? And especially the red flag law part of this, is this going to become a problem here in the months and years ahead? Do I expect to be a problem? Yes. But we have to start, again, we start right with the Constitution. Article 6, Clause 2 says that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Only laws of the United States made pursuant to the Constitution are supreme in this nation. Since this is obviously not passed pursuant to the Constitution, it is not the supreme law of the land. And in fact, both Alexander Hamilton in Federalist Paper 78 and the Supreme Court in the Marbury versus Madison case said that an act of the legislature repugnant to the Constitution is void. So the states can look at this saying, uh, sorry, federal government, we did not authorize you to do this. You're violating the agreement under which you were created. We don't have to follow it. Paul, do you, do, you, do you expect states to do what you say there? No. No, For the very exactly. simple reason is they've, ar- they've already accepted the bribe. And as soon as Washington waves dollars under, their, uh, under these politicians' noses, they will like swine Paul, to truffles. They why eat. don't our states push back more? This really drives me crazy at this point. Well, because we have been, we, we've fallen for the magician's trick. Uh-huh. We've been told to focus everything we can on Washington, D.C. And we forget our local sheriffs have tremendous uh, law enforcement authority. They're the chief law enforcement officer of the county. We forget that we are hiring these people in Washington, in our state houses, in our counties, in our cities to represent us and to exercise our authority in our name. Since we have told these people over and over again, you bribe us with goodies, we'll keep hiring you. They have no incentive to actually stand up to this because with rare exception, they're not encouraged. They're not supported when they do so. With the exception of maybe DeSantis, I cannot think of a, a nationally known uh, a governor, a state governor that has stood up to yeah. the overreaches of Washington and not been derided for. Yeah, yeah. who's pushing back. You're, you're exactly right. And, and that is a good example, actually, uh, which is he's gotten a lot of attention for that, in fact. Uh, being brazen and uh, uh, truthful, many would suggest, uh, but in pushing back on the feds. Sergeant Betsy, this other big deal, like, you know, I was thinking of you the morning that I heard this result on the Supreme Court and the right to carry. I was immediately thinking of you and a handful of folks, actually. Uh, I mean, I was relieved to see this ruling because had it gone the other way, oh my golly, this would have been a disaster. And of course, had to, we had different people in some of those seats, it would have gone the other way, Sergeant Betsy, because nobody really pays attention to the Constitution. And certainly our Supreme Court justices don't either, for the most part. And I, I say that because I believe it's accurate. They play political partisan politics. Um, speak about that ruling, please, uh, on the right to carry. How big was this one? Well, it was huge for the Second Amendment, and it was huge for American citizens who want to be able to protect themselves. Malcolm, we're in a we're in an atmosphere now where violent crime is out of control in so many places. New York City is a perfect example. Also in Illinois where I'm from, you know, you look at Chicago. Chicago has similar laws to um, New York City in that, 
you know, not everyone can carry a firearm. This is the thing. You can't allow government. And and let me clarify by saying, Malcolm, I've been collecting a government paycheck since I was 17 years old. So, I, you know, I get it. Government it, is necessary, but you can't allow the government to decide how you're going to keep yourself safe when it relates to the Second Amendment. So this ruling said that in New York and really in the United States, a, a local you know, police chief or sheriff or councilman or whatever is the rule in your the law in your area. Um, you can't allow that person or those people to decide that you need to carry a firearm. What people need to know about this law in New York is it said you had to prove that you were in danger enough to be able to um, obtain a concealed carry permit. That's just outrageous. So the court struck that down, pushed it back to the second amendment, but they also, cause you know, we have to talk about federalism here. They said, you know what? We're going to let states determine to a certain point who can get a concealed carry permit, or even if you need one, remember we have, uh, nearly 40 states now who have some sort of open carry law or don't need a concealed carry permit. Now, a lot of people like to say, well, Amer law enforcement officers are going to be upset. I've, I've had so many media people in the last week talk to me and say, cops must be so upset by this. Contrary to what the media keeps telling people, American law enforcement appreciates armed, trained citizens. What you hear in the media is the police chief groups say they want more gun control. Working street cops want armed trained citizens to be able to take for, uh, take care of themselves. You'll wake up one day sooner, you'll have no rights left, people. We'll, we'll be running from a, a dictator up there, which we're pretty well there now. Um, you know, uh, Dr. Mark Sherwood, uh, to this point here now, of uh, and I know you're running, of course, for governorship in Oklahoma, um, but this, the right to carry, and which is uh, fundamentally what makes America different than any other uh, society out there. It's, it's the origins and the framework of our nation that we became the United States of America for something as principled as the empowerment of we the people. People, they get lost on this in society today as we continue to drift from our framers uh, the founding of this nation and, and the roots of how we're discovered. How does this play out in Oklahoma? And, and how much of a concern will this be in your upcoming election, brother? Well, interestingly enough, the 10th Amendment has been something that I've uh, been strong upon. And like Paul alluded to, the only governor that I've seen go any direction towards that is Governor Santos. And I think he's done a really good job. But I think that there's more to be done. Mm -hmm. uh, as example, by you look at the state of Oklahoma, we have a supposedly very conservative uh, state, the most reddest state in, the, in these United States. And however that plays out, we still have a problem in our own constitution, state constitution, which instead of a period after shall not be infringed with Amendment 2, we have more of a semicolon that says, unless the legislators said so. So in Oklahoma, we have a lot of people here that are sick and tired of this idea of federal overreach, federal bribery, as we've talked about. And I plan on absolutely pushing back and telling the federal government to go pound sand, because ultimately you look at Article 1, Section 8, 
and, and I Paul did a brilliant job of explaining this. This is not congressional duty or job. So I don't even know what we're thinking here with this. And in Oklahoma, there are hardworking, good American uh, constitution, God-fearing citizens who understand that the Second Amendment, the ability to keep and bear arms, is really, as the, the Constitution clearly says in Amendment 2, it's necessary to security the free state. So they understand that. They understand that it's kept our nation from being invaded, for example, by Japan. And they understand that the loss of the Second Amendment, if you go that direction, is really a loss of First Amendment, et cetera. So this is critical to the current state, the survivability of our republic. And we have got to push harder on this to maintain the republic because we're perilously on the edge of losing it all. Yeah, well, that's it. Perilously on the edge of losing it all. And people sense that right now. But within all of this, Paul, I, I think let's bring it to a summary head here. You know, we could sit here and speak doom and gloom and the sky has fallen all day long. But, you know, i got to tell you straight out, brother, I think these are exciting times. And I also think that, you know, I'm, I'm sort of glad the Marxists have pushed as hard and fast as they have, because I think it's waking a lot of people up. What do you say to that? I, th- I agree. There's, there's so much been going on the last, especially the last two years, that shows just how close to tyranny we've become, just how much like the colonies in 1776 we've become. Yeah. We need to re- recognize that we, the people, are not supposed to be subjects of our government. We're supposed to be its master. There you go. There you as, go. as Abraham Lincoln said, the people are the rightful masters of both Congresses and courts, not to overturn the Constitution, but to overturn the men who pervert it. You always break it down so beautiful, Paul. You, you're just, you're remarkable. Uh, Sergeant Betsy, you get the last word. Malcolm, I, what we want people to understand is that we don't govern, we don't live in the United States by emotion. What we're seeing now is purely emotion. Even, even the dissent of the law that we're talking about from the Supreme Court, even the dissenters came from a place of emotion, not from a place of the Constitution. And what we need is responsible leadership, hopefully Republican leadership, stepping up, using the bully pulpit to talk about the law, the Constitution, our country, our freedoms, and stop giving in to the radical Marxist left and their bizarre lies and emotion. That's what needs to happen. My fellow Americans, that is sadly all the time we have left here. What a tremendous thank you here to this entire production today. First of all, my dear friends here, Sergeant Betsy Smith, uh, Dr. Mark Sherwood, uh, and a pleasure to have him on uh, the first time here, and constitutional expert Paul Engel, uh, remarkable, amazing, tremendous thank you, Alveda King, Danielle D'Souza up front in the program. You know, I feel pretty good, actually, friends, to, to come through the program. I, I don't know about you, but I have a little bit of jump in my step here, in fact, after some of these conversations today. See, it's not all doom and gloom. See that? There is a bright line in here, and we will continue on in this beautiful paradise we've been blessed with here. Thank you again for being on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America. America.